From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What's up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show, four new dudes we spoke to are takes, as well as some NIL realignment with Florida State and Rising Spear. And 10 would have been nice, but the Knolls come up short on the hardwood. Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. That's in Tallahassee, Florida. You already know that. CPTallyBar.com. That's the website. You know that as well. And you know that it's the best place to be if you're going to hang out in Tallahassee and watch the game or just shoot, just even hang out during the day because they've got pool tables, they've got dart boards, they've got a Vegas wall of television screens, and they've got great daily lunch specials every single day of the week. It's only $8.99 from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And on Wednesdays, it's a pressed ham and Swiss sandwich, grilled and caramelized ham topped with melted Swiss pressed and toasted comes with your choice of a side dish curly fries straight fries onion rings potato salad broccoli side salad tater tots or freshly cooked potato chips the corner pocket bar and grill tallahassee florida cptallybar.com 2475 appalachee parkway warchant.com ultimate assembled sports source Corey, thumbs up everybody it's only 29.99 to join the website premium access that'll take you from this moment as soon as you sign up all the way up until september 1st as the Knowles get ready for the 2023 season, we'll have you fully covered on everything football, tour of duty, spring football, baseball, softball. We'll talk basketball, too. Thumbs up, five-star rating and review. Corey, say something. I'm tired already. How are you, man? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Uh, you know, other than watching that, uh, mm. that was that was not fun. What happened at the Civic Center on, uh, on Tuesday night, that was unfortunate. A little bit, not a little bit. It was pretty embarrassing. Uh, but yeah, other than that, good. Uh, Brady seems to be in good spirits. We think he made his freshman high school baseball team. We There's nothing official yet, but they are on day 11. Um, so either it's the longest tryout in the history of freshman baseball or he he apparently made the team, but who knows, man. Uh, but either way, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're doing well up here in Georgia. Uh, looking forward to coming back down to Tehassee on Friday. Ooh, all right, all right. So you'll miss out on Thursday's powwow over at the museum. That Correct. doesn't have art, artifacts. Correct. Yes, the museum with nothing in there at all, really, except chairs. Um, yeah, I won't be there for that one either. I think Braden Fisk speaks at that one, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Fisk. That'll be uh, – I wonder if we're, we're done after that or we still got a whole other week. Um, it seems like we've, we've knocked out a lot of newcomers already. But, yeah, I guess it's probably one more week because we haven't gotten a, a ton of freshmen. But, yeah, uh, yeah. For, for so for Tuesday um, – I brought this up on headlines, and uh, I hope DeMarco, it's DeMarco Ward, right? Correct, the linebacker yes. from my, ne- my neck of the woods, mm. Duluth. Uh, it's probably 15 minutes away from where I live. Good Korean um, barbecue in Duluth, by the way. Really good Korean barbecue in Duluth. Okay. It. It the first time I ever had Korean barbecue. It was fantastic. I liked it a lot. Okay. Well, I, I went and saw the killer. There's a, a the Gwinnett County put a, put a big, like, 10,000-seat arena in Duluth. Um, yeah, and it ha- it, it's it's right next to a Holiday Inn that Jeans put yeah. us up in a few times. I'm like, yeah. what is this monstrosity? So they have like they well they have a they used to have an AFL an Arena Two League. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the Arena. Yeah, it was Arena League. It was a, when Arena League came back around 2002, three. Um, Andrew Luck's dad was the commissioner of it, yeah. and Gwinnett had a team, and I covered it. I was the beat writer. It was crazy. I flew to San Jose to watch them in a playoff game. The great Georgia nuts. Force, right? The Georgia, the Georgia Force? Force, exactly right. Uh, the great, oh, I can't remember his name. Marty Lowe, I think, was the head coach. It uh, did not last long. But either way, um, they, you know, that was like the first year of its existence, and they get a lot of great concerts and everything. But it was funny. I went and saw the Killers in that arena, um, uh, two, uh, pre-COVID, so like night 2019, February 2019, and um, they, I guess, in their tour sites, they would have like this water tower on stage, like this fake, you know, 20 foot high water tower that would have the city's name oh. of where they were, okay. and it it said Atlanta. <laughs> it's like, buddy, you're not in Atlanta. You're th- you're 25 miles from Atlanta. This is Duluth, son. Mm. Recognize mm. Brian McCann is from here. Uh, DeMarco Ward is from here, but anyway, um, I love that, uh, in his, in his answers, 
when he was talking about his coaches, he talked up. He didn't say Coach Norvell or Coach Shannon. My man said Mike and Randy. And I'm like, yes, sir. Either he's going to be an incredible player or uh, he might not be here uh, for three years. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, he has so much con. I, I like, I was really, I was taken aback by it when I heard it the first time. But then I'm like, man, that that says something about to to call your position coach Randy and to call Norvell Mike. Uh, I, I I'm uh, but J- Ira brought up a good point that all the players called Jimbo Jimbo. I think Morlock. Somebody else said Mike too. It wasn't just Demarco Ward, although Demarco. Yeah, he Ward- said Mike at first and then caught himself yeah, and said yeah. Coach Norvell. Uh, and then uh, Demarco caught himself too. He said Mike, and then he caught himself. And I'm like, oh, he's gonna say Coach. And he goes, uh, and then he just went Mike Norvell. <laughs> he he said the full name instead of Coach Norvell. But I thought that that was my favorite part uh, of the interviews was because uh, you just don't hear players refer to their position coaches by their their first names. And right. uh, he did with Randy uh, a lot, and uh, and and with Norvell, uh, with 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 Mike Norvell. So that that was fun. And then I thought. Um, yeah, Morlock's going to be interesting, man. Uh, I, I, he, he's enormous, number one, and you know I, I like that he he doesn't seem to be all sh- like wowed by anything. Yeah, like I know how much can you read from a twelve minute press conference in front of us, in front of media folk, but he didn't seem to be out of place. He didn't seem to be like, oh, isn't this? I'm a little kid in the big city type. Of, he's like, I belong here. I knew I belonged here last year. It's shorter. And uh, he he's going to prove it. It's, it seems to be the uh, the attitude he has coming in. He does not seem to be overwhelmed or uh, by the moment or anything. Gulf South Conference is a meat grinder, bro. Delta State mm. got Mississippi College in there. Yeah. West Georgia, North Alabama. I mean, there's some there's some pretty good programs in there. Some say it's the SEC of NCAA Division Two. So right. I did I did catch that. I mean, it's a good thing to see. I mean, it, he's showing respect, and he realizes that it will be a different level. Uh, but at the same time, he seems confident, prepared for it. So that's extremely encouraging to kind of see. Um, when it comes to drafting, like our favorite guys of this class, I mean, again, we're, we're we'll have a few more of these, I, I would think, uh, Corey, because we got we still got to talk to Hakeem. I mean, I yeah, you're right, Hakeem. Yeah, so. Uh, we Goldie. got yeah, we got Gilbert Edmond, Vandrevius Jacobs, Kyle Morlock, and Demarco Ward yesterday, and then tomorrow we'll have Braden Fisk, Keandre Jones, who came in from Auburn, Quindarius Jones out of Marine, Mississippi, and then Jaden Jones, who transferred in from a junior. Three uh, Joneses. Yeah, yeah. So. Three Joneses in a row. That's something. But if I had to pick a favorite guy so far, I'm gonna go Vandrevius Jacobs. I liked him. Yeah. He was really impressive. Yeah, yeah. it's my guy. Uh, battling a cold, uh, being a pro though, uh, gotten through it. But I just I, I like the fact that he admitted, like, listen, man, like I, I was under recruited. Uh, I, I I realized that that that's going to be a chip on my shoulder. Uh, but then he also talked about, you know, I think I asked him, you know, I don't know if he felt vind, you know vindicated here, but basically just he committed. Him and Demarco were committed in June. Everybody, June of last yeah. year. This wasn't exactly like the destination place to go to if you were looking at some higher end. Uh, collegiate football programs to join but you know they they went ahead and, and kind of put their chips in the middle with Mike Norvell in the middle of June and he mentioned this like, yeah you know people were saying like what do you why would you want to go there and he's like I I just believe in what they were going to do and, and to see where they're at now he's like it just it feels feels good like I, I told them that we're gonna we're gonna get this climb going he's like we're still climbing he's like, but we're on our way so that that really kind of struck me man because uh, we, we maybe don't give those kids uh, enough credit that figured out where they wanted to go really early in this process and bought in before things got really rosy with those 10 wins. Yeah, and I and I also liked uh, when he talked about the offense and, and his role in it, saying, you know, he said multiple times, look, I, what what appealed to him is that everybody eats. Mm, yes. uh, meaning, you, you know, not, he's, talking about, he's not talking about the, the nutrition table. He's talking about, like, that, that all the receivers catch balls. All the receivers are involved. And I, that's a good attitude to have at a place like this because – Again, not that Alabama is struggling to lure top talent, but at Alabama, it's two or three dudes, and that's a wrap. You you might play in the fourth quarter if it's a if they're up by thirty five points, but they'll have three guys with no fifty five or sixty catches, and everybody else has four. Florida State's not quite like that. They're gonna have you. You've got to be willing to share, um, and so that's a that's now we'll see. He might be awesome, and his sophomore year might be like I want my, I want seven targets a game or twelve targets a game. But I think that's a really good attitude to have coming in, knowing being like that, not being something you put up with, but something that actually is appealing to you. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I like that they, they use a lot of guys because, number one, it's good for him because it gets him on the field quicker. Like, you don't have to wait until you're uh, better than Johnny Wilson or you're better than uh, Micah Pittman or Winston Wright to get on the field. They're going to play guys early. They're going to try to get you on the field. Um, it, maybe not this year, but certainly next year, and you build from that. If he was one of the guys that, that had goals of, like, I want 70 catches for 1,400 yards, he wouldn't come here. Maybe Hakeem Williams has those goals, um, but Vandravius certainly didn't seem to, and I don't know that Hakeem would either, especially not this year, because how could you? How could you watch this offense and think this is where – it is where playmakers go to make plays, and they get a lot of chances to make plays, but it ain't like anybody other than Johnny is getting more than five or six targets a game, and Johnny does that because he's six seven. Um, so, I, yeah, I, 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 he was really impressive. Both of those guys are. DeMarco was, too. Um, really, kind of all the freshmen have been, honestly. Um, but, uh, the, you know, again, that's not a surprise. That's who they... So you think you think today, like, sorry, Tuesday, Vandravius was your favorite, or was he your number one number for the one. first 13? Number one, man. Number one for the, for, for the first 13. I like this kid. I like, okay, I like lot, we, we need to do some power. Well, we're not going to rank him one to last because right. I, we nobody. But I, I would still, I think Roddick is still my number one. But he's almost in a different, cl- I mean, he's, he's four years out of high school, right? Or five years out of high school. It's a different, you know, he's been doing this a long time. He's 23 years old. Uh, so it's almost not even fair to compare him to Vandravius. But yeah, man, Vandravius and, and the Kirkland kid. Uh, yeah, I wrote about KJ, extremely, extremely yeah. bright kid. I wrote about him uh, Monday. It was in, uh, on the site Tuesday or Sunday for Monday. But, uh, yeah, man, I thought he was very, very bright and, and impressive, too. They got, some, they got some guys, man. We'll see what they are on the field. But, man, they're, they're impressive off it, which is, you know, something. I guess, you know, how much of that is like self-fulfilling prophecy, though, Corey, when you talk about the fact that a guy like Vandravius Jacobs is so many times during that interview, he's like, I just want to get my feet wet and learn the system. Meanwhile, his head coach two, three weeks ago or whatever it was when we spoke to him after the early signing period stuff said that he thought all three of these freshmen were, were players and ready to go day one. But I think I almost kind of like broke news to him. I'm like, hey, man, you're, I know you want to just put your feet in the, in the water and get acclimated, but your coach thinks that you're ready to kind of maybe come in here and, uh, and be able to be part of some game plans and things like that. How much of that kind of goes into Mike Norvell recruiting the right kid that has the proper perspective? Uh, and then those kids also seem to, to be fine, as you said, not wanting to come in here and be like, yeah, man, I want to live up to my four-star, my top 100 rating, and show everybody that, is, that you know, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the man, you know? So, Well, some of that is he's not a, hundred, he's not a top 100 guy. Um, but he's really – dude, he, he, he was at that elite camp here in Tallahassee over the summer going up against all sorts of guys that were top 100 defensive backs, holding his own. And I, and I know you're not in pads and it's, you're in shorts, but – uh, I mean, man, he was he was impressive. I, I, that's why I, I really think he and he's on he's on point to when I think he says he's under recruited. I can't imagine there's that many more players, let alone wide receivers, that are more talented than that kid. So I'm really excited to see how he grows and develops. But sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I guess my point was that like it's hard to be really entitled when you're not Hakeem Williams, right? You're not a you're not a five star. You're not a top thirty player in the country. Um, it'd be weird if he did feel entitled. Yeah, but still, though, you could be like, man, I, they got it wrong. I know how good oh, I am. I deserve yeah. the ball. I deserve more, you know, shine. But they're, you know, not that they're going to come I and say think that the, I, I, I'm really curious about the next step in this program because they won't, they will start, you know, instead of being the 17th best recruiting class, I think, maybe they maybe they just hang with the portal, number one, number two in the portal and, and stay in the 15s and recruiting. But if they get to the top five or six in recruiting, I am interested in those guys' mentalities um, because that's a different level, man. It just is. I mean, Vandre, you know, he's, he was under-recruited. It's fine. But when you – like, Hakeem Williams had a different uh, process than either of the other two receivers. Uh, really, more, almost more than anybody else on the team. Like, would you say Hakeem Williams is the most, was, was the most heavily recruited player on the entire Florida State roster? Out of high like, school, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I mean that he, all these other guys have had to go prove it somewhere. I mean, I mean maybe, uh, I mean Azaria was pretty highly recruited. Akeem Dent, those were both, you know, highly recruited guys. But I think Hakeem has you beat. So th- this is it, that that's an interesting dynamic that has not really seeped into the Florida State program yet. And maybe it doesn't. But we're all kind of hoping it does. We're all kind of hoping we get to see what that looks like when you are bringing in four or five or six five-star high school kids 
um, in one class and how that, uh, how that, re how the culture reacts to that or how they react to the culture. But I do think right now, man, and I mentioned on the last show, I think he, th th they are attracting a certain type of person yes. and it's, it's good for the most part. It's good. Now you, you may be a tick up in talent from the high school, but we'll see, man, I have no idea how good these kids are going to be. Um, but maybe you'd like a tick up in like the star rankings and maybe instead of 17, like I said, you're seventh or your fourth, but, uh, they, they are in the portal and in the high school ranks, it certainly appears that they are recruiting a certain type of, uh, of, of kid and a, a certain kid is interested in Florida state. So it's, it seems to be working so far. This will be a, a telling year and a teller, a telling, uh, recruiting cycle. But like, uh, Jeff brought up on headlines, the, the, those guys they had for junior day were no joke. Like, nope. it seems like that's been raised a tick too. Like the dudes that are coming down to visit for junior day now. Yeah. Speaking of junior day, live recruiting chat coming up at seven o'clock tonight with Michael Langston and myself, the renegade express thread also up on the tribal council. We'll do two more shows for you folks. So get involved over on the thread, post your question, the renegade express and shoot. If you're a business and you want your name attached to the renegade express, we do it twice a week now. Get at your boy. Let me know. Meanwhile, I'm going to get at vitamin energy, Corey. Savor mm. a shot of energy while nourishing your body with a compound of essential vitamins with vitamin energy. It's less than two ounces. You can take it as a shot. You can put it in a water bottle, sip it on throughout the day. It is vegan and kosher certified, gluten-free, non-GMO, zero sugar. Gives you boost. And yes, man, the whole thing is it gives you a boost without a crash. Yeah. I can say, yep, that's true. That's true. That is true. That's yeah, true. that's that's true. I, yeah. Uh, I've been taking the vitamin energy immune. Now, I don't know if I'm starting to feel normal again because of this or maybe the antibiotics and the steroid. Uh, but this is day two of taking the, the vitamin energy immune, and I took it before I went to the gym. And so your I, vitamin energy immune comes with steroids? Well, you know, uh, you know, deer antler. It's, you know. It's, oh, okay, good. It's the clear? Yeah, it's the clear. Good. Exactly. It's clear. Uh, 260 milligrams of natural caffeine coursing through the veins, though. Got me good for the gym. I did not feel any sort of crash afterwards, able to go to sleep fine. So I'm a believer, everybody. Not that you needed me to say it again because we've been talking about it here for a few days now. But use that promo code WARCHANTBOGO, B-O-G-O, when you go to vitaminenergy.com and purchase anything on the website, and you will get an item of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. So, I mean, I think it works out to something like $2 and change for one of these bottles. But when you use the WARCHANTBOGO promo code, it's half of that, so it's like a little bit more than a dollar, and you're cruising for seven hours of your day. So do the math. Like a dollar to have seven hours of your day better. I'm not a yeah, mathematician. Sounds pretty good, though, Corey. And it's seven hours seven. of energy, not five. Yeah, not five. It's two whole more hours than what you guys are used to on the open market. So just throwing out that. And I had the berry. I, I, I switched from sour apple. I still went with the workout. I'm still okay. hanging with the workout for the for the, for the the rest of the week. Um but I went with the berry instead. I think I do like the berry taste better than the sour apple. Both fine, both good. But and man, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I, I I felt um, I did not crash at all, and I felt a little more spry mm. when I was going through my. Uh, I guess what rowing. All right. I was I was doing some rowing, and I felt spry. I felt like I should I was I should be in a regatta somewhere. <laughs> Use the promo code WarChantBogo over at VitaminEnergy.com. Give it a shot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Corey, I don't know, at what point in your relationship with Ira, or maybe just because you're an alpha of the highest order, it's, just, it's never been an issue, right. but did he just know to not edit the gems that you drop in a column? I, I think there's some times where you would be like, hey, watch out for this one, Ira. You better let it, you better let it through, and he will. You know, real recognizes real. He'll let, you, he'll let you explore the space. He knows that you're a talent. But, like, I have to do the content item when these guys are up there talking. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get everything. So we, I put I put it up as qu quickly as I can up on the front page. Corey's transcribing it. And then later on throughout the day, Ira and Corey will write out full stories based on what these kids talk about. 
Our guy Gilbert Edmond, Fort Pierce, stand up. Native homeland of your boy here. South Carolina transfer. Uh, got a question asked about, you know, tell us about some stuff that we don't know about you that maybe some people at home that are fans of the program of Florida State would want to hear about you. And, you know, after kind of like trying to figure it out, it, he's like, yeah, there's a couple, there's a lot of things you guys don't know about me. He's like, I played a lot of sports growing up, and it's like, yeah, we, we figured that, Gilbert. Look at you. You're amazing, <laughs> yeah. man. You're a specimen. But then he's like, yeah, you know, I skateboard, and uh, I play a bunch of instruments. I play piano. I play trombone. So in the story, like I do these really quick summaries, and then I push everybody to go to the website and read the full wrap-up that Corey does so uh, studiously. Mm. And I'm like, you know, uh, Edmund also says that he enjoys a skateboard in his free time and can play multiple instruments. And then I, I put like a semicolon, and I put, He's a real renaissance man. Mm. Ira goes in there and took it out. Took it out. Hurt my feelings. uh, Well, right, and it should. I mean, we probably need to have a meeting as a staff about this. Uh, I I would assume just being in the news industry for a while that, like, I get more – uh, I don't know. I was going to say rope, which isn't quite – Latitude. Yeah, I get more latitude, more runway is because I'm writing columns. You're kind of putting up just straight news and facts. So it's different. Like what I do, what I write in a column is different than what I write in a game story because I'm allowed to throw in an opinion. Um, so, but hey, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was interesting, um, but I didn't realize he. So he's from Fort Pierce, yeah. and Vandravius is from Fort Pierce. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Man, different all right. Schools, my though. favorite. My favorite travel plaza on the Turnpike out here representing. Come on, gang. All right, that's nice. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was. Uh, you know who else skateboarded? Um, was Bernard James, the uh, the former the former great FSU center that got them the uh, helped get them the ACC title uh, in 2012? I was doing a big story on him because he didn't grow up playing basketball at all. I don't think he started playing until he was like 17 or 18. Sarge. Like he grew up, he said he was just he would watch cartoons and skateboard. Huh. And I'm like at six, and then he joined the military. <laughs> um, and so he when he was in the military, I think is when he started playing and taking it seriously. Then he went to uh, TCC or Chipola, one of the junior colleges in town, and then became an NBA draft pick and played in the league. So it's an awesome story. But, yeah, he was a skateboarder too. I wonder if there's some correlation there between, like, maybe athleticism and, and uh, dexterity and being a, a lead athlete. Maybe skateboarding's – maybe I should put Brady into a skateboarding there you go. class or something. Sarge went to TCC, by the way, stand-up there you Eagles. Go. Thanks for looking it up. Eagles. Uh, but – uh, Edmund, I, I thought what stood out to me the most was, and this is, I don't know if it's crazy, it's not the right adjective. I need to find better words in my daily you know, conversations with you here, Corey. But man, Florida State's kind of at a point now here. It's certain positions where they can point at guys and say, hey, look what we did. We developed an NFL talent. We are on the cusp of putting together another guy that's going to play on Sundays and make a name for himself. And that's what kind of stood out to me the most is that I think he mentioned maybe on two or three different occasions one of the biggest reasons that pulled him to Florida State because he, he was in the portal for a little bit there was the development that he saw from guys like Jermaine Johnson, who shot out, by the way, he was in Tallahassee for the Miami games yeah, that's right. uh, this other night. And obviously what we're seeing out of Jared Verse, maybe to a lesser degree what we saw out of Patrick Payton this past year. So uh, when we talk about all the different variables that are in play when it comes to recruiting and we know that NIL maybe is the, the real ace in the hole for all this, and if, you know, guys like John Papuchas, maybe not renowned, uh, we thought perhaps, but building a reputation. It sounds like it's one that stood out for a guy like Gilbert Edmund. Absolutely. I mean, you think about it. You, Jermaine Johnson, wasn't he wasn't a household name, man, at all. When he came to Florida State, yeah, he played on a good Georgia team, but he wasn't a household name. He didn't start. And then he becomes a first-round pick. Jared Verse certainly wasn't a household name. I know recruit Knicks knew about him because he was one of the uh, most highly coveted defense. But he's from in the in the portal, but he was from Albany. And then he comes in and is uh, almost ACC Defensive Player of the Year, first-team All-ACC, and was probably going to be a first-round pick. And he's going to be one of the preeminent defensive names in the country going into next season. And he came from Albany. And then Patrick Payton won the ACC Rookie of the Year, and he wasn't exactly a, a huge recruit. So when you look at that and you're in the portal, yeah, man, the development matters. It's not just let's go get players. And it's not like, uh, you know, Jared Verse and Jermaine Johnson didn't get better when they were at Florida State. Like they weren't – I mean, they were ready-made in the sense that they were kind of physical freaks, but they did get better when they were at Florida State. They did improve, um, and they want to keep improving. And I think – that I that that struck my ear too uh, about uh, when he said that. It's like, oh yeah, 
if you're a defensive end or a quarterback, you have to look at this um, at this program right now and be like, yeah, man, they develop guys. Offensive like, line as well. You know. Yeah, yeah, you go from – but I, I think offensive line, we know that more because, the, you know, a kid that's a junior in high school right now doesn't remember – the days of DeAndre, DeAndre Francois spinning around and saying, don't pick me up. Right. He doesn't know that how bad it used to be. There, are, there haven't been like any huge name Florida State offensive lineman. It's gotten very good, but it's not like it's been a pipeline to the NFL. When you go back-to-back years having a first-round pick at a defensive end, front, they, this is your school for a year, that kind of seemingly comes out of nowhere – and then the next year, another kid that comes out of nowhere and uh, and leads the ACC and tackles for loss and sacks again and didn't even play some of the games, that I think really resonates. Like that resonates because those are big names. Dylan Gibbons, Florida State fans know him. I don't know if the rest of the country knows him. The rest of the country knows Jermaine Johnson and Jared Verse. Those are big names now. So yeah, of course. Same with Jordan Travis. So of course that resonates with a guy in the portal. And he, yeah, that was... Because he even said he's like, yeah, I'm used to get, I'm used to working hard. I worked hard at South Carolina. Like they, they were those coaches are, um, you know, energetic. He's like, but I, you know, really, it was about getting developed. He's like, that was the key factor. Was it didn't even sound like other guys from South Carolina sold them on it. Yeah. Like not that they were saying don't come, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like he said that Jaheim Bell reached out, but it didn't sound like that was a big deal in his recruitment either. It was almost solely about wanting to go to a place where he knew he'd get developed. You know, we've you mentioned this a few times, Corey. That, you know, you kind of really were able to you know distill it down and talk about going into this off season. The season kind of maybe ended just about as well as you could possibly imagine it because you did have those close games between Florida and Oklahoma. So maybe you're not feeling yourself all that much. You haven't arrived, is kind of the way you you put it. And I remember asking Kyle Morlock about kind of that sentiment. He mentioned that you know he noticed all the guys that were coming back and, and talking about the expectations on this team this coming season. And he's well aware of it. And he mentioned that, you know, the fact that he saw so many guys come back that, that sh- could have easily left and gone to the pros yeah. uh, really kind of has, has built that up. How kind of cool is it that, again, this team has not arrived. So these aren't these aren't 2014, 15, 16 recruits that are kind of hanging on to the Jameis years or the success that Jimbo had. And they're like, yeah, you know, I want to I want to hitch my wagon to this. I want to ride the coattails of what was done here. Because, yeah, this program has made a lot of strides, obviously, here in the last year, 18 months. But, man, they're all going to be kind of doing this together. I mean, I know Kyle Morlock played it shorter, so it's a little bit different level. But I think I mean, there's there's something that everybody's going to be kind of going through this together. I think there is kind of that harmony. I don't know if that's something that you think maybe uh, will be forged even more during offseason conditioning, but there's kind of a, a cool underlying current to this team right now because everybody – uh, really does seem so focused on on capitalizing of what they can be right now for this upcoming season. I think so. Again, it's something we have to see uh, once once the season starts what the mindset is. But I certainly do trust that uh, that there is a hunger there, and they are all on this ride together. Um, it isn't like again, yeah, that it's awesome that they won ten games, they finished tenth in the country in one of the polls. But it's you know, it, it was the cheese up bowl was the end of the line. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a championship game. It wasn't a New Year's Six game. So they accomplished a lot from where they were. But in the grand scheme of Florida State football and what it's done over the last four decades, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't anything of special, right? As yeah. far as when you're looking at when when my grandkids are looking at the 2022 season, I'll tell them all about it, gang. I'm going to tell them about Shaheem. You know, I'm going to I'm going to sit them down and and show them on I guess I'll have a hologram where we can relive the play right in front of us. But however we do it, it's not going to look like an incredible season. So yeah, that that's what that's what's kind of cool about. It. That's what's uh it's not like 2014 was such a grind. Mm. It was such a grind, not just the Jameis stuff, it's just every week um when are they going to lose? When are they going to lose? And it was hand-wringing after hand-wringing. Maybe that happens this year, but you would think they're still on the climb. They're not, they haven't reached, you hope they haven't reached the mountaintop. So it's still much, it's, it's always more fun to climb than it is to stay at the top. Mm. And it's harder to stay at the top. So hopefully they're all still in, you know, moving in the same direction and, uh, and heading to the top. But yeah, I think that's, uh, it, it, these guys, Jaheim Bell, Jaheim Bell is the most accomplished 
of any of the people coming into the. I would say Jaheim Bell and Hakeem Williams are the two guys that you know have have. Well, Charles Cypress, who's all conference guy. Yeah, that's true, but he hasn't won a lot. I guess Jaheim Bell hasn't either. So yeah, you're right. But like you know, he was at Virginia. I got you. I, you know, I got you. I know sorry, what I mean. And, and Byers was from UTEP. I'm, just, and, I'm that one guy. That one guy that's in his car. That's like, what about Fentrell Cypress? I got no, but I, he means the number two player in the portal. He has accomplished. He has accomplished a lot. But I, you know, it's it's uh, he, he hasn't won a ton of games, and it was at Virginia. So all these guys are, you know, and, and Morlock is the, you know, number six tight end in the portal, and he's from Shorter College. He's six seven. Shorter University. Well, Come on. Shorter University. Should be Taller University with my guy. Am I right? Come hey on, gang. Where's the hey drum roll? Six seven. We're talking over here. So all these guys haven't accomplished a great deal. Um, the the newcomers. So they're being they're being welcomed into a team that has accomplished some really cool stuff, but still, ten wins and cheese it. Not thirteen and zero, so it's it's cool that there's gonna be a real hunger there. It, there should be anyway, and there's gonna be a real drive to go make a special season. So that's all. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, because Morlock. Whoa, whoa, wow, wow, Peter Brady, uh, Morlock. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Morlock talked about like he also believes that he can help this team reach their goals, and that's, yeah. that's the thing too. It's like these guys see that there's sort of gaps to be filled, there's roles to be. Uh, enhance and they're they're willing to take it on so that's just really encouraging to hear uh, so early on in their their journey here at Florida State. Corey what's more surprising here Josh Sweat like becoming quasi household name or like our guy T Man. The other night Terrence Mann uh, like you know they're coming back from commercial break on one of these telecasts and it's like you know our, we're going to go to the court and interview a coach or a player like not Kawhi you know not mm. Paul George mm. or Luke Kennard or I don't know whoever but like they're interviewing Terrence Mann. And he's playing the you know the Lakers the other night on TNT as well. Or the fact that like Josh Sweat is emerging. This is me trying to segue us into basketball somewhat. Cool. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to basketball in a second. But yeah, I don't think anybody's like tuned in. Like, oh, let, let's break down that travesty. Um, I, it's close, man. It's funny. I wrote a story about Terrence Mann before his senior day because he came in with uh, Dwayne Bacon and Malik Beasley, and the the premise of the story was. He came in as the other guy. Like, it was Bacon and Beasley and then the other guy. And and I even wrote, I think my lead was like, he's not going to be a first-round pick. He's not going to be an all-time leading scorer. Um, he's not, you know, he's not finishing with, you know, averaging 20 points a game. He's not going to be a first-round pick. And apparently, see, my man CY, Charlton Young, um, cut out the story and print, gave, like gave it to T-Man and circled it. It's like, this guy doesn't believe in you. Still, you don't, you still don't. And I'm like, no, it was a puff piece. It wasn't a puff piece. I mean, it was a good column. I was, yeah. it was, it was uh, ripping at the heartstrings about how, what Terrence Mann has meant to Florida State basketball. And all I said was he wasn't going to be a first round pick. CY kept saying that I said he wouldn't play in the NBA. <laughs> So he's telling Terrence Mann that I said he can't play in the NBA. Nuance, so when Terrence, when Terrence Mann has a breakout year, CY's like, yeah, and you're the one that said, you know, he wasn't doing it rudely, but he's like, you're the one that said he, he couldn't even play in the NBA. And I'm like, CY, you're wrong. And then I showed him on my phone. This is what I wrote. I said he wasn't going to be a first-round pick. And you know what, CY? He wasn't. So where are my flowers, buddy? Anyway, big win for Missouri on the road. Uh, CY and Dennis Gates got a nice win at Ole Miss on, on Tuesday night. Uh, but I would still say Josh Sweat to answer your question. I brought, again, that's weird. I brought him up on headlines. Like, has there ever been a player? I was trying to think about this in any sport that did less at Florida State that became so good at the next level. I I, I don't know that I can think of one that rivals him. Like he's Brooks Kepka. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean Kepka was great here. Uh, like I, I don't, I don't know if there's a, if there's a, there's something that rivals him because yeah. he did diddly poo at Florida State, and I shouldn't say that he started, he made plays, but he wasn't special. I say he that because I bring this up, Corey, because our guy Khalil Young was commenting on headlines on YouTube and was like, "You guys act like Josh Sweat was a bum, not a bum, but like you guys act like he wasn't any good." And it's like, well, he wasn't great, though. I don't even know if you could say he was good. Like, he was adequate, it seemed like. like he was an yeah. adequate defensive end. But I know he had a severe knee injury, but coming in with the, the high lofty rankings that he had, I mean, he, what game, I mean, what, what signature play does he have? What signature game does he have in a Florida State? I think uniform? the Delaware State game, he had four sacks, that was Kando. something like that. Oh, that was Kane, though. Oh, that yeah. That's right. I forget him confused. Yeah. Uh, that's, how, that's how what Josh Sweat 
I thought he had like a Kendo career. I mean, look, he was better, and he and he dealt with some injuries, especially coming out of high school. Um, but his last year, it was it was never anything that he certainly wasn't. He didn't jump off the off the field like uh, five right. at eleven last year. Like he didn't look anything like, in my opinion, like Jermaine Johnson or Jared Verse. He wasn't a difference maker, and now. He's one of the best defensive, one of the best players on maybe the best team in the NFL. Yeah. Like he made the all, he made the all pro, he made the Pro Bowl last year, and this year he had a better year. I think he had like a he has a he had eleven or twelve sacks. Um, he had sixteen and a half tackles for loss on a great defense on a great defensive line. I mean, he's legit. And uh, yeah, he didn't uh, he didn't. I, I'm willing to bet he had more sacks this year for the Eagles than he had his an entire career at Florida State. That, so that was my point is he's become like a uh, a pro bowl type player, an all pro caliber type player. Eighth eighth highest graded defensive end on PFF in the NFL. Out of out of a hundred, you know, out of sixty four starters, starting defensive end, he's number eight. That's crazy. He wasn't eighth best in the ACC. Now you can say he wasn't coached up well. I'm not gonna argue with that. He wasn't unleashed. Maybe he was still worried a little bit about the injury. I think he kind of was actually, but it's been and, and look, this isn't to lament what he didn't do at Florida State right, right. as much as it is to celebrate Absolutely. what he's doing at this level, man. He got an opportunity. He was drafted much more on potential than production. And he is he has made himself a very good to great NFL football player and is going to make a ton of money. And it's awesome to see. Apparently, he's a really cool guy. We barely got to talk to him. He built computers in his spare time. We didn't know that because back then, we didn't get to talk to players. So we didn't know anything like that. But it's it's an awesome story. It's a really a cool story about a guy that, uh, you know, was, you know, I don't know how else to phrase it. He was a disappointment at Florida State compared to his ranking and what we thought he was going to be. But then he comes out and has this kind of NFL career. It's awesome. It's again, not lamenting as much as celebrating a guy that, uh, that really found his path and has become a, uh, a fantastic player. Yeah, I'm a Niners guy, but, you know, if, if the Eagles take them out, I'll, I will definitely take great joy knowing that uh, Josh Sweat will be able to kind of carry on and make it to a Super Bowl, so that's really cool. But, yeah, he was the number 34 overall prospect that your number one guy uh, out of Virginia, number two defensive end in the nation. Yeah. So maybe didn't play up to that level here at Florida State, but, again, celebrating the fact of uh, what he's done here. I'm trying to think. I don't even know. I think the last maybe – San Francisco hasn't drafted a lot of – Florida State guys that maybe like Tank Carradine's the last, you know, Noel that was a Niner. Otherwise, it's like Anquan. Yeah, got back yeah to but he, yeah, they don't. They haven't had a lot. Yeah, Dexter Carter, William yeah. Floyd, back yeah. in the heyday. Uh, yeah, I was, but going back to the question, man, there aren't there aren't many in the conversation with Josh Sweat for guys that didn't do right. much at Florida State that became um, so good at the next level. I'm sure there are some. Uh, Terrence Mann. I don't think he qualifies though because Terrence Mann was so pivotal yeah. to all those great teams. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, so it, you know he was never a great scorer here, but he did everything. He was just a he, and it's it's cool. It's really cool to see a guy like that. You know, frankly, um, you know he was he he didn't he never really shot, didn't care to shoot his first year or two. It was always Bacon and Beasley. Well, Beasley for the one year, but then Terrence Mann, uh, you know, is probably going to have the best career out of all of them. That's that's and, and he stayed all four years, so that's really cool. Different circumstances, but like maybe like a Lavernius Coles. Like Lavernius Coles had a pretty yeah. solid NFL career. He did. That's a good. That's a good comparison. Yeah, because he didn't do. Now he was a starter on a national championship team until Dillard's, yeah. uh, and uh, but so he was he was a player. But yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't. He didn't. We, we didn't know he was going to be that. Like he turned into a all pro, I think, a receiver. And he was always like the number two or number three guy at Florida State at best. Like he was just the guy that ran really fast. Um, but he, you know, he wasn't thought of as like a future NFL star. And that's kind of what he became. Yeah. Otherwise, that's a good like, one. That's a good one. Otherwise, I mean, much lesser degree. And it goes to your point that we can't think of anybody that's on that level. But like Anton Smith was a guy that I can't, I remember like hearing about him being in the NFL like in I don't even remember like 2012 or 13 I'm like what? Like he's in the NFL right now and he ended up being in the league for like 5 6 years I think with the Falcons mostly and he was a guy that came to Florida State with huge huge uh, recruiting 
cachet and and obviously was part of a team that wasn't all that successful but he was never he was never all pro pro bowl caliber kind of guy but he was a guy that kind of came out and you're like wow man look at him hanging on but yeah again it's it's incredible yeah he was a special teams guy mostly but would get like um i don't know he'd get like two or three four carries a game but he you know he was very explosive um let me look up yeah so sweat you know, he wasn't terrible, right? Like, so I just looked him up, and as a freshman, he, he didn't play a ton. Um, he, he finished his career at Florida State with 138 tackles, 29 tackles for loss, and 14 and a half sacks. So that's over a three-year span. So he averaged five sacks a season and about 10 tackles for loss a season. So he wasn't a bust. And I, I, I just want to make that clear. I don't yes. want people to think I'm calling him a bum. He wasn't a bust. He just, there was nothing that we saw from him that portended to this, that all of a sudden he would be five years into his NFL career, one of the best players in the, in the, in the league. So again, I'm very excited for Josh Sweat. I probably can't root for the Eagles just because of Philadelphia and in my, the Phillies. I just can't root for them to have, uh, you know, anything to be happy about, but, uh, yeah, it would be, I, I wouldn't be upset if Josh Sweat got a Super Bowl ring. Corey likes to make money, though, so I think if it came down, push the shove, probably taking the Eagles over on my bookie because, I mean, mm. how is Brock Purdy and the Niners going to muster offense against Josh and the Eagles? Two and a half points, the Eagles given out over on mybookie.ag. Sign up and use a promo code WARCHANT, and your first deposit will receive an instant cash bonus, which will help you get your winnings in and out, and it's simple. All you have to do is make a wager equal to your deposit amount and then once you win, boom, get your money back. Turn it around, do what you want. MyBookie.ag makes it easy to bet and win. You can also jump onto their live betting odds. They've got a casino. You can bet on everything, NHL, Australian Open, if you want to get involved in tennis. Uh, again, the Eagles giving up two and a half at home. Is it still called the link? I don't know. And then the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals right now, one and a half point favorite going into Kansas City. Mm. Feel I've, I've, I trust in Joe Burrow. I trust in Joe. There's a whole bunch of props on both these game lines as well. It's all over at mybookie.ag. Again, use that promo code WARCHANT to get an instant cash back bonus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm sorry, right? I didn't watch the game. No. Is there is there anything to summarize? I I think there was like three minutes left in the first half, and Florida State gotten their first offensive rebound of the night. I don't know if that was no. indicative or symptomatic of anything in particular, but Florida State was trying to go for ten straight over Miami. Uh, were unable to re uh, re reach that feat, if you will. Did anything stand out to you? And again, it's it's a it's a grind this basketball season, but worth mentioning when you're playing the arrival. Yeah, it was just it was it was a, a very troubling performance. Uh, just to not they just didn't seem to come out with any energy. Like Miami just and it, it, you can always say, well, the other team's making shots. They look more energetic when the ball's going through the basket. But I mean, they got out rebounded in the first half. Aslan twenty two to six. They had six rebounds at halftime. They had zero offensive rebounds. Miami missed thirteen shots in the first half and got the rebound on seven of them. So they rebounded more than half of their missed shots. And of those, this is the most amazing stat I've ever seen in a college basketball game. They got seven offensive rebounds and turned those into 19 second chance points in one half. Wow. So just the math, like they got, they only got the ball seven times on, on an offensive rebound and they scored 19 points off of that. So that's, what is that? Five three-pointers and two twos. 
is incredible. I, I've never I've never seen seven offensive rebounds turn into nineteen second it's chance it's points. Efficiency. That's yeah. very efficient. Uh, so yeah, and it was just you know six rebounds, no offensive rebounds, and trust me, they had plenty of chances to get offensive rebounds because they kept missing shots in the first half, and they just they don't defend. And I and I've said this before, but I don't know in this day and age that you can keep switching one through five and expect to not just be shot out of the gym. You just got to hope they miss. Um, and Miami wasn't missing. Because again, I know not everybody here is a huge basketball fan. Um, when you switch your center, what they'll do is they'll run a screen to get, it's my, let's say Cameron Corin, the the 6'10 center, who's who's I think going to be a good player. Um They'll they'll bring they'll bring the center up to the top of the key. So Corin has to go with them because they play man to man. The center sets a screen on the point guard. Florida State switches everything, meaning the point guard goes around the screen. Now all of a sudden Corin's guarding the point guard. He's not guarding the center anymore. Your point guard is guarding the center. Corin is now guarding the point guard. So your six one lightning quick six two lightning quick point guard is now on your six ten, not necessarily lightning footed freshman center and so the the uh, inevitably the point guard will get into the paint because he's going to go right by your 610 center and when you help off to go make sure he doesn't get a layup they're going to kick it out to the corner for a wide open three it happens game after game after game pittsburgh missed a lot of their shots on on saturday and quite frankly i thought the best defense florida state's played all season is when dante green was on the team on the on the court because he was playing center and he moves like a real athlete. They, those guards couldn't just go right by him. They can't go right by Bob Miller. But they go right by Naheem McLeod and Cameron Corn, and it just leads to a bunch of, you know, having to catch up to a pass, to another pass, and there's going to be a wide-open three. And in the ACC in 2023, you give good shooters wide-open threes, they're going to make it. Miami shot. Now, they, they made some tough shots in the second half, but you're down 26 at home. I mean, I was just, it, was, it was a pretty embarrassing performance from a team that I thought might have been riding the ship a little bit. But it's just, it's a Jekyll and Hyde team. And so this was the Jekyll or the Hyde. What's the, I know we've done this before. Is it dot? So Mr. Hyde is the the monster, the terrible person. Yes. Cause and, I would think a doctor is a nice guy, right? Dr. Jekyll's the nice guy. So yeah, this was the Hyde. Uh, the last week was the Jekyll and uh, you got the Hyde on uh, Tuesday night. It's just a shame. They didn't get their, uh, their, their 10th straight win. And uh, yeah, just uh, ugly all around. Uh, our man Darren Green, who I just praise as being an elite shooter, uh, he went one of ten from three. Ouch. Well, but hey, made one. It's one more than I made. And so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound on Saturday. That was certainly not that they should have been feeling themselves. They were seven and thirteen. I can't imagine you're real confident with your seven and thirteen. But I mean, they got absolutely obliterated. That was like Tyson Spinks. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond on Saturday against as good a team. Like Clemson's as good as Miami. Again, it's at home. Um, it, you know, will they come out and just, man, just fight, dude. Just fight. Just just guard. Make sure and go rebound. Go get some second chance opportunities yourself. Go finish. It was just a lot of missed layups. It was just, there was nothing redeeming about it. I think McLeod had 11 points. That was, I mean, that was cool, I guess. Uh you know, the, other than that, there was there was really nothing redeeming about it at all. Mentioned at the top of the show, uh, as we close things down here again, check out the Renegade Express thread. It's up over on the Tribal Council as well as the recruiting chat we'll have with Michael Langston at 7 p.m. live on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, uh, Irish OFL had to sit down with somebody who's in the NIL space. A real good in-depth interview. There'll be an accompanying uh, written piece that'll be up on warchant.com subscribe get the full insight into what's going on there in the nil space but on uh, tuesday morning rising spear announced that they are now a proud partner of fsu athletics Corey, this nil space obviously always uh in a fluid sort of motion and a you know state i guess we could say uh, it, it kind of comes down to i guess you know this creates another avenue for the athletic department to kind of align their goals of getting their student athletes, uh, you know, competitive NIL partnerships so that everybody is kind of happy and on the same page. Now there's some things that were clarified from the NCAA uh, late last year in terms of what, you know, these collectives can do. Corey, again, Ira has much more on that in the story that will be upcoming here on warchant.com. But like they, the, the athletic department can't give money to rising spear and have rising spear go give, contracts out the kids but it's just kind of the existing infrastructure that rising spear has created 
which they have somewhere close to 2,000 donors. They've inked 200 NIL deals, 10 different sports. You know, they, they can kind of create this, you know, they can they can have people that want to donate to certain specific sports, give it to Rising Spear, and, and kind of, you know, create that synergy, I guess you will. It's just... It's kind of just another wrinkle, and I guess in a wormhole that none of us really know exactly where we're going, but it's it was something just worth mentioning because it was the news that broke down there and uh, hopefully will create some better opportunities for Florida State to, I guess, maybe get players in other sports more involved because it definitely sounds like a battle that has football locked, loaded, and covered. Keep Tania Latson. Okay. That's, that's your job, Rising Spear, for the next three years. Keep Tania Latson. And give her even give her some uh, some really good players to play with, and uh, you know Matthew Cleveland, yep. yeah, you know, some guys like that. Keep keep some guy keep some players around in the other sports, and uh, let's let's make the, let's get that Civic Center rocking again, Aslan. How about that? How about the Louisville game from three years ago? Let's yeah, let's get back to that. Yeah, it's funny, uh, Coach Wyckoff and, and some of the basketball players, I think Tanaya was actually in the video that they used to uh, announce this kind of merger, if you will. But athletic departments can help fundraise for collectives, uh, such as an administrator appearing at events. They can also provide donor information and facilitate meetings between the collective and a booster. So, again, this is just – there's probably been some new money coming into the picture with all these collectives. Now it's trying to get them all – kind of rowing in the same boat. This is all crazy, man. I think the New York Times or the Washington Post, I have the story I've been reading. They've, they've been doing this full kind of profile on Armando Baycott. Uh, it was on the New York Times, and it's a whole interview with Bubba Cunningham, who's the athletics director at North Carolina, and just talking about how they're worried about their other sports on campus. They know f- basketball's covered. We know football's covered. But uh, when these collectives start, you know, taking more money from, from entities that are not going to give it to capital – projects and other sports mm. it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this all uh, shakes out but again check out warchant.com irish ofell's got a we'll be having a nice in-depth story on what this kind of means for florida state and how you can kind of make all this stuff work now because the ncaa is kind of asleep at the wheel and you might as well take advantage while you can all right we've got two more shows for you core we're gonna do a mailbag we'll break it up into mm-hmm. two and we'll try okay. to we'll make it feel like it's a, a friday show for you but we'll probably record it like on a wednesday as well so Head over, uh, post your questions, and then Thursday there will be more interviews with newcomers. Uh, Braden Fisk, you wanted it. You got it, everybody. We'll speak to him. We'll speak to Keandre Jones. Again, offensive line transfer from Auburn. Quindarius Jones, defensive back out of Meridian in Mississippi, and then Juco transfer, Jaden Jones. Jeff Cameron Show coming up 1 to 3 o'clock. Check out warchant.com for the latest on all things Florida State. For Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.